Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan here. We are bringing you Talking in Circles, a great weekend of racing at Homestead Miami Speedway this past weekend that resulted in William Byron going to victory lane, his second career cup, wins, cup win. Is this a sign of things to come for William Byron and Hendrick Motorsports? Is this sort of the resurgence from Hendrick Motorsports? We're going to see. We're going to try and answer those questions. Kyle Busch, another tough day for him on a mile-and-a-half track. Little, looks a lot, looked a lot like 2020. Is this a sign of things to come for him? How about Chris Buescher winning stage one? Big deal for that team, or was it just a fluke? A couple of guys off to really bad starts. Which one should be more concerned? We'll talk about that. Of course, we also speak to Jeremy Clements Racing Crew Chief Mark Setzer a little bit later on in the show, and we'll, we'll look back at the Xfinity Series races. We'll also talk about our, our fantasy picks and preview this weekend's races at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Got a cool thing going on with Camper World and Marcus Simonis. We'll try and get to that as well. And your phone calls, 917-889-8280. That is the number of call here tonight on Talking in Circles. But, guys, want to discuss the Dixie Vodka 400 from Homestead Miami Speedway. Uh, William Byron went to victory lane, but and, and Tyler Reddick finished second. And Reddick started 35th and came all the way from about 15th in the last 50 laps to second in one of the more impressive runs we've seen. Uh, Martin Tricks Jr. third, fourth went to Kyle Larson, and then Kevin Harvick, of course, in the fifth position. But uh, we'll start with Philip, and then we'll go to Spencer. Philip, what about William Byron's run? Were you impressed by that? I mean, Rudy Krugel came out at the end of that race and said, get used to this, guys. We're going to win a lot of races this year. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on that victory for William Byron on Sunday? It looked kind of like uh, 2016 when he was driving a truck or 20, whichever, whatever year it was, when he was in the truck series with Kyle Busch Motorsports with Rudy Fugel as his crew chief. Uh, led the most laps. Uh, really good performance had to come from well, – he wasn't buried like Tyler Reddick, but he was able to go and do what he had to do and led the most laps in the race, looked like what he had looked like prior to coming to the Cup Series. And, I mean, do I believe it's the start of things to come? Who knows? I, I What I do know is that that's the kind of performance he has needed. Uh, he's, that's the kind of performance that uh, people expe- a lot of people expected. Yo, actually, yeah, he was pretty far back, too. And he got top fives, and he won the second stage, and he, he, he finished in, in fourth in the first stage. So, I mean, that's pretty outstanding performance by him. Uh, Tyler Reddick is a lot of what could have been for him uh, possibly getting that first career win. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you when you look at Hendrick Motorsports in general, I know we're going to get into it more in, in more detail later on, but, I mean, all four cars in the top 14, three in the top nine, two in the top five uh, was uh, – it's kind of like how it used to be uh, with Hendrick Motorsports. But, uh, you know, they're racing their – with the 550 rules package was good, uh, which isn't something to say. Um, yeah, they would get spread out, I think, but that's a part of what Homestead is. Um, you actually right. have to drive well to be able to run well there. So it, you have to give credit to all that group. Um, I know that Rudy Fugel gave credit to Chad Canals for what he's done with William Byron over the past couple of years um, to prepare him for this spot. And uh, we talked about how Byron had to really perform. 
And, um, you know, you look at what, what uh, Bowman did early last year winning at California, and he rode that out to, like, a top uh, five finish or whatever, very high finishing points. So it might be something like that that's similar that we could see from the very high. Yeah, and really, he's dominated the last about 100 laps of those ra- that, of that race. He really dominated. Um, and, you know, they pulled away and, and certainly looked like Reddick, if you gave him about 10 more laps, might have been able to chase him down a little bit um, But he because he was coming. But it was just a little bit too little too late. Spencer, who stood out to you in the top five? Obviously, Reddick, that tremendous run at the end. Mark Tricks Jr. had a solid day, too. He was in the top five for most of the day. Uh, Kyle Larson, of course, we, we all were waiting to see how he ran. Homestead Miami Speedway didn't get to the top like we saw Reddick, but still a very strong day in fourth. Kevin Harvick, who was probably a top ten car all day, finished fifth. Uh, who really stands out to you in that top five as, as who had a good day, and, and what, what do you want to say about uh, Byron's victory on Sunday? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, Byron is the driver at the end of the day, but I think Rudy Fugel is the guy who you really have to give props to. I mean, um, I mean, you got to think that Byron had Chad Knauss, and I'm not saying Chad Knauss is bad by no means. There's a reason he did what he did with Jimmy Johnson's because he's a phenomenal crew chief. But um, at the end of the day, I think Rudy is just that guy that can work with about any driver out there and really make it click. And really, he I mean, the guy knows how to set up a race car. Um, he's, he's incredible what he can do. I mean, third race in the Cup Series um, with a phenomenal organization. And he looked, they win. So I think Rudy is the the guy who's really going to put that team on top this year and win multiple races. And I'm not saying Willie B is a bad driver, can't drive. You know, he, you know, he's won championships, but um, it's just, you know, you get that right crew chief and you can win a lot more. And I think that's going to be um, huge for him. But as far as the top five, I would, I would say it has to be Larson just because he hasn't been in the car for pretty much a year um, those other guys are always up front anyways that were in the top five, except Reddick. But at Homestead, you can expect him to be in the top five. So um, Larson would probably have to be the guy. Like you mentioned, he was never able to get up by the wall. Um, I don't know what the deal was with that. Maybe he wasn't comfortable with being up by the wall. Maybe his car couldn't go up there. But I can tell you right now, if his car could go by the wall, I there's a good chance that 24 car wasn't sitting in victory lane because look how much faster the eight car was in Reddick. And Reddick and Larson are two of the best that can run the wall at home. Um, I, the 24 better be happy that five couldn't run the wall. Um, for some <laughs> reason, I don't know. Um, so, um, you know, like I said, he hasn't been in the car in a year. And he probably just didn't have the car to. I feel like if he would, could have went up there, he would have went up there. So, um, right. Um, but the car was obviously good. He stayed in the top five all day long, pretty much. Um, so, I mean, you, you got to give props to what he's done since he's been back. You know, he had a, he's pretty much had a shot to win every race. He was right there at the Daytona 500, uh, messed up on one corner in the Rolex and goes to Homestead and stays in the top five all day. So, um, pretty impressive. Yeah. He's had a pretty, he's had a good start to the year, about as good as you can, could with a new race team and missing about, uh, what, 20, 30 races last year that he missed. Uh, as far as Hendrick Motorsports, Spencer, I want to get your take on this. You know, Hendrick, won the race to William Byron. Uh, Kyle Larson, obviously fourth. He's won races in the past. Chase Elliott's your defending champion, of course. He finished 14th. It was a, was a pretty solid race car. And then you got Alex Bowman, who won races as, as recently as last year. And he wasn't as good as he, as a lot of people, I think, thought he was going to be. 
entering the race, but he still got a, had a you know. A, I think a lot of people look at him as, as having a pretty good year here. You know, Hendrick the last three or four years kind of went to a little bit of a lull, especially on these mile and a half tracks. Uh, the 48 was kind of out the lunch. I think the driver sort of um, the sport might have passed him by just a tiny bit there. Um, but right now it seems like everything's trending in the right direction for that team to be doing very, very well. Uh, and, and looking like the Hendrick Motorsports of old, do you agree with that? Do you think this is sort of the beginning of the resurgence of Hendrick Motorsports of what we're accustomed to seeing, you know, 13 championships with this organization? Or do you think it was just one race and we need to pump the brakes on that a little bit? I mean, I think they're definitely moving in the right direction a little bit. I mean, they wouldn't have won the championship if they weren't good. But if you look at it last year, actually the last couple of years, Chase has really only been – he's been the only one to really do anything. Um, yeah, Bowman uh, gets a win. Um, Byron gets a win. Byron did win on a plate track. And, you know, I'm not taking that win away from but we all know that a plate track, you don't have to have the best cars. They need to go out and consistently run good on mile and a half and be in the top five. Um, you know, I, some, sometimes you just don't have a good car. I mean, you have to look back at 2017, you know, we sit here and say Hendrick went good, but look how good those Toyotas were. They just made the Chevys look bad. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think Hendrick was doing anything differently to make that team awful. Um, it's just those Toyotas were so damn good that year. I mean, look what Truex was doing that year. Look what, um, Kyle Busch was doing. They dominated I mean, they were up in the teens with the races combined that they won. So, I mean, I mean, they had a really phenomenal year, and it, I think they were just so good that it made the Chevy manufacturer look bad. But, yeah, they have been off. You know, you look right before Jimmy retired, um, he wasn't that good. And, you know, several years before he announced his retirement, they were winning races. So there was definitely something in the three- to four-year uh, range that they were kind of off where Jimmy didn't win a race, didn't make the playoffs, and it's a seven-time champion we're talking about. So he clearly didn't have the cars to go out and win. Um, you know, they always say, and I'm not a driver, I don't work for NASCAR or with the team, but I know that the sport changes, like these crew chiefs say, every week. You have to be on top of your game um, because these teams are finding something new every week. You know, every track, you know, they're tweaking on stuff to make their cars better. You can't just sit back and continue to run the same stuff. You will get beat eventually. So I think Hendrick has found something to move into the right direction. Maybe Chevy as a whole has come together with the whole manufacturing process and um, the Chevy meetings with the teams and all that. Some stuff over there could change, and that can go a long ways too. So um, I hope it's a great year. Um, plus my driver drives over there, and I want to see him put it in victory lane. So I think you can definitely say they are moving in the right direction for a team moving in the right direction. As we go a little bit further down the uh, running order and a couple of teams here who you could put that label on. And I want to get to a couple of these names here in the top for the rest of the top 10. Sixth was Michael McDowell. What a start to the year he's had. We'll get to him in a little bit. Ryan Newman was seventh. Uh, I think that's a very encouraging run for Rosh Fenway. Not only that, but Chris Buescher won stage one and led a lot of that race. Uh, he led um, – Chris Buescher led uh, 57 laps of the event. So that was an encouraging run for Rosh Fenway. We'll discuss that at, at a little bit more detail as well. Uh, Kurt Busch was eighth. Then you had Alex Bowman ninth and Kyle Busch tenth. And that's where I'm going to start with you, Philip. Um, not a, a very good day from Kyle Busch. Didn't get any stage points. Finished 10th, and that was probably the highest he was all day. 
I know it's early, and we're only three races into the year, and that was the first mile-and-a-half track we've had all year. But looking back at 2020 and how that team performed uh, and making a crew chief change over, that, over, that, over there at that 18 car, are you concerned at all about Kyle Busch and how he performed on Sunday, or do you think this is, a, this is something that maybe the team's going to get their arms around here in a couple of weeks and they'll be all right? What's your level of concern here for Kyle Busch after their, I wouldn't say bad run, but their just non-JGR, it just didn't, didn't really seem like a, a, an 18-car run, per se, um, for lack of a better term, than what we normally see from that team. What, what's your concern level for Kyle Busch, Philip? I mean, I would say that if he knew that Adam Stevens was going to bail on him, he'd have probably wanted Rudy Fugel. <laughs> that's that's one thing. Uh, but in regards to what he has right now with Ben Bayshore and uh, that whole organization, they're still learning each other. Um, yeah, they've worked together at times before, and I think Bayshore was part of the team, 18 team at some point over the last few years prior to getting the Xfinity deal. But you know, Kyle Busch, I think the concern, you have to wonder, everyone's saying, oh, it was no practice, no practice. Now you've had a year, basically a year uh, without practice. And a lot of these other drivers are able to perform. And Kyle Busch is arguably one of the best drivers there's been, one of the best raw talents there's been. Um, I don't know, like if you're going to say a 1 to 10 concern meter, you could probably write it's the third race of the season with the with a new crew chief um first mile and a half i'll probably put it at a three but um if we're in june july and he's not really contending for wins i mean you look at denny hamlin he started tailback um and then he came all the way back to nearly win stage two and was up there Truex was up there all day. Um, you know, Chris Bell had a, you know, he was not around. But um, I think there's going to be the ebbs and flows with, with Chris Bell. He's going to have great performances, and then he's going to have kind of a drop-off. Uh, it, it isn't going to be as extreme as, like, Eric Jones had over his time there, or maybe even Suarez or some of these other younger drivers that have been there and kind of been run out the door. But um, in terms of Kyle Busch, at some point you've got to wonder when – I think when Kyle Busch gets in the Xfinity car and gets in a truck, he'll probably do better that weekend. I think when he gets those limited starts in those series, I think he'll end up doing better on those weekends. And then the races where they have practice with these new racetracks, I think those are all opportunity races where um, he's going to have a chance to kind of do what he's – always done for many years prior to last year and so far this year um i mean top 10 finish is what it is but it's too early in the season to really light the siren i i think uh or pull the alarm or whatever i think uh if he if he's running like this in june or july or whatever then yeah i, I think it's it's a problem because there's a lot of parity in this series right now it looks like uh, you got some teams that haven't been around in a long time up there. You got some teams that have never been up there. Uh, you have to wonder um, if, if there's so many winners. It isn't going to be about points this year. It's really going to have to be about winning. Um, 
and a lot like Jimmy Johnson last few years of his career, uh, he wasn't able to win. Um, Kyle Busch mm-hmm. only won one race, and that was kind of whatever at Texas last year. Uh, you have to wonder when Kyle Busch is actually going to be Kyle Busch in a cup car. Yeah, that that's the question, and that's why I think the you know Kyle Busch fans had so much optimism coming into the year because a new crew chief, you know, and, and we're going to be good, and all of a sudden they come out there, and they don't perform like they are accustomed to. And I was just curious what the alarm level was. But you go even through 6 through 10, Spencer, and there's a couple other storylines there, particularly Michael McDowell. Uh, right now he sits fourth in the Cup Series standings. We know his Daytona 500 win. He did very well at the road course. But I think a lot of people, myself included, might have sat there and said, okay, you know, super speedway racing, anything can happen. Road course, sure. He's a good road course racer. He comes from a road course background. But a mile and a half track to go out and finish sixth like he did on Sunday. And, yeah, I know he had track position because he started up there, but he didn't really fall too far back either, maybe uh, top, maybe 16th, 17th all day, but was able to work his way back up there and had a really fast race car uh, when the nighttime came and finished sixth. Uh, a very encouraging run for him and a very encouraging run also for Ryan Newman and the six car Spencer uh, for, for Rash Fenway. Uh, also, you know, I mentioned Chris Buescher earlier. Those teams sort of work together, the Bob Jenkins, the uh, Front Row Motorsports, and the Roush Fenway Racing teams with, with the data. And uh, Roush Fenway had a really tough year last year, and so did Front Row at times. But two very encouraging signs there in sixth and seventh with Michael McDowell and Ryan Newman. Yeah, with Michael McDowell, I mean, it's, it's, it's good to see a guy like him that has been in the sport for, hell, I don't know how long a good bit. He's been in the sport for a minute and, um, you know, he has an Xfinity win and now he has a Daytona 500 win, but what he's been able to do this year, um, you know, with the equipment that he's dealing with is pretty amazing. I mean, like you said, yeah, you know, he's always there at the Daytona 500. He's always there. So you, I mean, him winning the Daytona 500 really is not a fluke to me, I mean, he's there every year. Um, he's so dang close to winning that thing. So, you have to, you know, he did his job and won that, and they go to the road course, like you said, and then come to the mile and a half, and, you know, he, he was catching Harvick at the end. He just ran out of laps. Um, I've seen him pass multiple cars that he's 15 to 16, 17 spots behind on a on a week-in and week-out basis. So um, whatever they have done, they need to stay with it because they've done a phenomenal job um, keeping up, you know, and, like you said, with the track position, I don't care if you start up front or in the back. If you got a good car, you're going to go to the front. Um, yeah, he can start up there, you know, at the end of stage one. But if your car is not good by the end of stage one, a 35, 40 lap stage, you can be back to 25th. And he was able to stay up there and hold his ground and enter pit road um, up front. And, you know, that helps when your your pit crew's on. So his pit crew has to do a good job, and they did that. They kept him out front. So I think you got to give props to them and um, there was a lot of Fords that ran good early. I think Ford has found something, but they fell off the second half of the race, and you can't do that in order to win races. So um, they did a good job. The 17 did a good job, like you mentioned, phenomenal by what he was able to do. But the Fords fell off, and they they were nowhere to be found. So um, hats off to the you know, like you said, the six, the 34, and um, the 17. They they ran good races, and look at McDowell. He's what fourth in points. So. Um, congratulations to them and hopefully you can keep it going. Yeah. And certainly a, a a solid run for a lot of those guys. 
Uh, you're listening to Talking in Circles, Clayton Caldwell, Philip Matthew Spencer Cowan here. We're going to talk to Mark Setzer, the crew chief for Jimmy Clint's Racing here in a little bit. They're off to a really good start here in the 2021 season in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Just want to get your guys a take on uh, a couple of guys who have not gotten off to good starts. And, um, you know, when you look at the point standings, I'm going to just take you to who, a, couple of guys, a couple of names that really stand out to me. And, and of these guys, Philip, we'll start with you, and then we'll go to Spencer. Of these guys, who are you most concerned about? Matt Benedetto is 34th in the standings. Eric Jones is 28th. Eric Amarola is 26th. And Ryan Blaney is 24th. And all those guys never don't really have a top 10 on the year. Uh, haven't really, to me, I know Daytona is sort of an outlier to 500, but they're sort of just been struggling. Blaney was not very good on the road course. He was yeah, he was terrible on Sunday. Uh, Amarola came up on Blaney when they when they and they crashed uh, in the middle part of that race. But I mean, they weren't running anywhere close to the front. They're about 15th to 20th there when that happened. Uh, Eric Jones has had a tough start to the year, and and Matthew Benedetto's had about as bad a start as you can get right now uh, in a Team Penske car. Those guys, Philip, who are you most concerned about uh, to start this 2021 season? Yeah, for me, I would I'll go and say Blaney because <clears throat> at the end of the day, for Dee Burrito, he's not going to have a job at the end of the year. Uh, they're already kind of looking at 22 in a sense, and and having Sindrick, but it, I think it's Blaney. At what point do you, does, does it click for him? At what point does he go and take that next step towards that superstardom? Uh, you know, Penske has invested in his career since 2013, and that was the same year he picked up Joey Logano off the scrap heap because what he called Joe Gibbs just threw him out the door um, for Matt Kenseth. And we see what Joey Logano has done. So uh, you, you kind of think about that. And this is coming off of a year when, of course, the year before Brad Keselowski had won the cup championship and Brad has still kept on going to that level. Um, you wonder the layout of that organization as years go by. There isn't anybody else in the pipeline other than Sindrick. Everybody knows that Sindrick's going to have a job there, just which car. Uh, I kind of have a, inkling or feeling of a couple of drivers that might be available that might fit the Penske way, um, which in turn would make Blaney's situation a little bit uh, tenuous. Um, I personally think he would be better off going back, being in the 21 car and having that whole Wood Brothers deal and kind of having that family atmosphere and the pressure of not being in a, in a Penske car per se on him. Uh, I think he'd fit outfit better and fit his personality way better and maybe drive better. Uh, I, but honestly, for him, I mean, Eric Almarola, yeah, it's not great. Uh, he was running well for all eight laps that he was running in the Daytona 500 and during that week. And then Chris Bell wrecked a, fee, uh, wrecked a third of the field. Um, that's not a great start, but I feel like for Eric Almarola, uh, the the Stuart Haas racing crew, I feel like they'll come along um, as the season goes on. Uh, but uh, yeah, Blaney for me uh, in regards to who I'm most concerned about a couple of other guys, you know, like Eric Jones is driving the 43 car. Um, when you look at what Bubba was doing in that car, it wasn't much different. So for all the people who want to say that it was a driver, 
Eric Jones is a really good driver too. Probably you could make a case that he's a much better driver and he's done more in the sport, but you need the equipment um, and they don't have it right now. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And, and that's been a, a problem for that team for a long while. Uh, how about you, Spencer, you know, Matt DiBenedetto, Eric Amarola, um, Eric Jones or Ryan Bellini, which one are you most concerned about guys who've just gotten off to a rough start here in 2021? I mean, I would probably have to go with, um, man, I don't know. Like you mentioned, you can't really worry about the 43 because of the equipment he's in. It'd have to be the 12 or the 21, but the way I look at it is we haven't seen enough racing. I mean, we've done a plate track and we've done a road course in one mile and a half, one mile and a half. So, the, I mean, the plate tracks are a toss-up. You know, the guy wrecks in second, takes out everybody from third on to 40th. So, you can't really predict those. And the road courses, I mean, eh. And then one mile and a half track. Um, I don't think we've really seen enough racing to really judge if we're worried about somebody. But if, you know, I had to pick out of those guys, I mean, the 10 should be right up there, too. He should be, you know, top 10 in points. I mean, he's with Stuart Haas. So, I mean, um, if I had to pick, I mean, the 21 and the 12, I guess, but I still think it's a little too early to um, say that I'm concerned if somebody's not going to be able to step it up and compete for a championship. Well, I'll say this, and, and you guys – uh, hit the nail on the head. I think Di Benedetto for sure. Right? We understand his situation uh, for 2022 and, and beyond. You know, he's sort of in a lame duck season. Uh, Eric Jones in the 43. Uh, I think people expected him, and I think he will run a little bit better. But you know, remember, you can get yourself into a deep, deep hole, and that's my concern with Di Benedetto here. Is he can get himself into a deep, deep hole where you might not be able to get out of it as far as points are concerned, and that what what that essentially does is it puts you in a winner-take-all situation. You have to start really piling up wins uh, or get a win to, get, to make the playoffs. So that's my concern with Di Benedetto is he's getting into such a deep hole here where he's going to have to really have a strong weekend at Vegas and a couple of the racetracks coming up here in Atlanta where um, you sit there and you go, hey, that's when he once found it because they're going to have to start racking up some points here very quickly. If, if they don't, they're going to be in that situation where they're going to have to win races. Uh, the 43, I think we all kind of expected him to be in that situation. Um, but still, it's a little bit lower, 28th in points. You know, there's a lot of guys above him where you look at it and go, didn't really expect them to be there ahead of the 43 at this point. Uh, it's just been a little bit disappointing. Also, uh, the 10, You, to me, that that is the biggest alarm. Amarola has been a guy who just hasn't been able to find victory lane uh, in his career. And, you know, he, he's done everything but win pretty much in the Cup Series. He's, he's run up front. He's done a, a lot of good things with that Smithfield car, but it's no more excuses for him. He's got to go out and start putting together wins and, and really start having a strong year. And he's off to a rough start, 26th in the standings for him. You know, I know Briscoe's right there. If you look, keep, if you're looking at the points, Briscoe's uh, 25th and he's four, they only got 42 points, but he's a rookie driver. I think we sort of all expected, you know, him as a rookie driver to, uh, you know, take a little bit while to, to find his footing here in the cup series. You know, that's not, that's not the case with any of those other drivers. And, uh, and then of course, Ryan Blaney and Philip, you hit the nail on the head. You know, here's a guy we, 
all been waiting on saying that this is the year Ryan Blaine's going to take it take off. And I, I don't know if I told the story on Talking Circles or not, but I was in a group chat last year with a bunch of people who are divided between Ford and Chevrolet. And uh, the Ford camp was saying Ryan Blaney's better than Chase Elliott. And in the Chevrolet camp, this was before the day, before the day 2500 in 2020, they were saying, no, 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 the Chevrolet camp was going, no, no, Chase Elliott's better than Ryan Blaney. And it was a fun debate. And I sat there and I said, you right at that point, I said, you can kind of argue for both of them. Well, right now, Ryan, uh, Chase Elliott's clearly ahead of Ryan Blaney uh, for whatever reason. And it's no longer, well, he's got Jeremy Bolins. Maybe that Jeremy doesn't have a ton of it. He's got a crew chief there now that's got a lot of experience in Cup, and the excuse is going is going away. Um, the only time we really saw Ryan Blaney run really really good this year was in the Clash, and he went and backed that up with a not a very good performance at all on a road course for points. And that's where I think the most alarm went off was wow, you know they ran here a week before and almost won, or two, you know, pretty much a week before and almost won, and. They come there and they they finish like fifteenth, sixteenth. It was really alarming there for him. So um, I, I think Blaney, one of those guys too here. When you look at the schedule moving forward, you really have to say, hey, um, I would be concerned about them. But uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series race also ran at Homestead Miami Speedway this weekend. Uh, it was a contender boats uh, two two fifty from. Homestead Miami Speedway, and the ninth place finisher was Jeremy Clements. His crew chief is on the phone right now, Mark Setzer. Hello, Mark. Thanks for joining us Talking in Circles tonight. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. No problem. So far, so good for you guys. Two top tens to start the year. Uh, your first really year with Jeremy Clements Racing. What's been the, the contributing factor to your success so far early in the season? Well, I'd like to uh I'd like to take the credit for it myself, but we've just got a heck of a driver in Jeremy Clements. Uh you know, he's been doing it for, you know, a lot of years now on the Xfinity side and uh he's had success before I got there and I'm just trying to uh do the little things that maybe uh they've missed in the past to see if we can't just continue to improve upon what they've already got as a baseline and so far it's working out for us. How hard is it at, you know, Homestead's an interesting racetrack in itself, but one of the things, one of the unique, unique things about it is it starts in the daytime, goes tonight. Uh, the Xfinity Series race is a little more at night than the cup race was, but how hard is it to keep up with those track conditions uh, when it goes, when it starts at one point of the day and it ends in another point of the day? Uh, how hard is that to keep up with as a crew chief? It's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a tough deal. And Homestead itself is a tough racetrack. The uh, the tires wear out so fast. The you know we describe it as as racing on on a cheese grater. It just it just tears the tires up. So when you have a track that falls off two and a half to three seconds from the start of a run to the end of a run, it's uh, it's challenging. That you know you have to have your driver pace himself early if you think it's going to be a long run, which me and Jeremy talked about during the race. And, uh, and, and Homestead has that, has that trend to it. So this race actually had more cautions than we were used to. And, and fortunately we had an extra set of tires there that we usually don't have when we go to Homestead. 
For sure. And one of the other factors for Homestead this week, and I want to get your take on it, is uh, you, you experienced this last year with that track as well, but what about practice? How has not having practice um, affected your race team, and how has it changed the sport? I know you worked for J- J- uh, Johnny Davis Racing, J.D. J- Motorsports, for a while, and they had practice, and now you come over here, and this year and last year they didn't really have practice. How has that changed the sport as far as a crew chief? Are you more aggressive with your adjustments? Can you explain that to us? Well, it helps to uh, to have a good notebook uh, for all these racetracks that we go to because last year the NASCAR did help us some, and and we'd have a competition caution, you know, 15, 20 laps into a run to start a race. So you could come in and check tire wear, but this year we're not having that competition caution. So now where we hit the racetrack at Homestead, uh, green racetrack, no no cars had been on it. So uh, tire wear during the first run, we actually corded the right front and the right rear tire during that first stage um, before we changed tires to start the second. So making sure that you have your cameras adjusted properly um, is just key. Um, we you know we've been fortunate to have our travels and, and cameras pretty good. Uh, without having to give up too much on the performance of the car. So it's it's tricky in itself, for sure. Oh, and just one uh, more about, that pra- about practice real quick before we get, we get uh, to the next question. But uh, about practice, there's been a lot of debate about that as far as some of the smaller teams like having no practice. Some of the, uh, a couple other teams think we should have practice. What's your take on that? Do you think – as far as you guys are a solo corporation, you make your own chassis and engines. Do you like not having practice? Do you think it makes you guys more competitive? What are your thoughts on that? A small team uh, like we have at Jeremy Clements Racing and and as a crew chief, having a driver with Jeremy's uh, abilities, I think it helps us not having practice. Um, one small team, smaller budget, it saves us money. Uh, we don't have to take a backup car to every race. We don't have to have uh, the extra tires for practice. So there's a lot of positives there. It also, I think, brings the field closer because the big teams, with all their engineering um, support that they have, they don't have the time to fine-tune and make all the, you know, the, the smaller adjustments uh with all the backing that they have to make their cars that much better. So now they're on the same field as we are. We start fresh on the racetrack and it's up to the crew chief to make those calls and changes during the race based off of the work that they did in the shop. So uh, small team wise, we like it. Um, Not everybody does obviously, but uh, I think it has improved the racing myself. Uh, this is Philip here. Uh, thanks, Mark, for coming on tonight. Um, I wanted to ask you this question. Uh, we've moved over to Jeremy Clements' organization here this year. You were with Johnny Davis Motorsports. Uh, what made you make the move from uh, JD Motorsports over to the Clements family organization here in 2021? Jeremy and I have actually talked about making this move uh, for probably two years now, and we talked about it uh, after the 2019 season. And unfortunately, my wife 
had had some uh, health stuff going on, and I wasn't sure what my time was going to be like. We didn't know what we were exactly how serious what we were going to be dealing with was going to be, and I just told Jeremy that you know I couldn't make that move at that time and put him in that in that situation. So after the end of this uh, 2020 season or before the end of the season, he had reached out to me again and everything just kind of come together. Um, I was, I was ready to make a change. He was, he was looking to make a change and it's uh, so far uh, everything has worked out very well without a, without an accident there at the Daytona super speedway, we were looking at possibly three top tens in a row. We had a great run going there. So it's uh it's something that I think has uh, benefited both of us right now, and we're uh, uh, we're really excited about it. And I think it also fits to some of the stuff that you were talking about in regards to the uh, you know lack of practice, but you're preparing good cars and you're able to go and show up to the racetrack ready to go. Compared to some of the other bigger organizations, you're doing less. You're doing more with less. Um, obviously, um, when it comes to your equipment and what you're bringing to the racetrack, how many cars are you guys working with? So this year, um, anything new, I think there's comments about that, uh, in so far in the first few races about some sort of newer equipment. Maybe I might've been mixing up with another team and how many full-time employees, including yourself. And of course, Jeremy and Jeremy's dad, do you have, uh, for the team? Well, uh, as far as cars, we have we have seven cars that we're working with. So we we sold a super speedway car during the winter, so we could build a new a newer uh, super speedway car that they had from uh, Chip Ganassi Racing. Um, that car is finished. We did take it to uh, to Daytona with us. That will probably be our Talladega primary. Um, we uh, we have two uh, road course cars. And then uh, we have three other, one short track and two intermediate cars that we're working with right now. And uh, while we're building a newer uh, Ganassi car that we're hoping to take to Atlanta. So uh, we we have a, a pretty good uh, fleet of cars right now, barring any really bad luck. And uh, so that's that's really helping us a lot with our uh, with being prepared. As far as the employees, you mentioned Tony Clements. Uh, he he stays so busy on the engine side, building those fast uh, dirt engines that uh, that they build there at Clements Engines. And then Jeremy is there every day at the shop. Myself, and then we have two guys that work in the shop uh, full time with us, Morris and Cy, uh, along with David that travels with us as a tire guy and does stuff. So it is a small group of people, and uh, like you said, we are. You know we're fighting some uh, some big time big budget race teams there, and we're just really happy with with the product that we're putting out right now. And without without having to take a backup car like we were talking about with the new practice, it helps us be better prepared the following week with our stuff. So it every every little bit of it plays a plays a part in how uh, how we're being prepared to get into the racetrack. You're listening to Talking in Circles, Clayton Caldwell-Phillip, Matthew Spencer-Cowan here. We're talking to Jeremy Clements Racing Crew Chief Mark Setzer here 
I'm talking in circles tonight. Um, NASCAR changed its schedule a ton here in 2021. You know, on the Cup Series and the Truck Series side, they added the dirt track at Bristol, which the Xfinity guys won't do. Um, but there's a lot more road courses on your side of the Xfinity Series schedule. They've always had a lot of, you know, uh, more road courses in Cup and, than in trucks. But Jeremy's won a road course race before. Um, how does the addition of more road courses help your team with Jeremy's prowess on, on road courses? It's uh, it's definitely an advantage. It's something that we look forward to. Jeremy uh, really loves the road course racing. Um, we did a few things different setup-wise on the car going to the Daytona road course, and I think he liked it. Um, and we're going to continue continue to build on that. That's one thing that, that Jeremy and myself talked about when we were discussing putting this deal together with us is that, you know, we may, you know, we may not be as good as what we've been right off the bat because we needed to build a notebook together. I had my notes from the last several years of, of doing Xfinity racing. Jeremy has drove with different crew chiefs over the last few years, but without us working together, we wasn't sure with the changes I was making to the cars, if he was going to like every one of them. So, um, fortunately so far that's worked out and we're going to try to build upon that going to these other road courses and the Jeremy, uh, dad, Tony and those guys, they've worked on their engine program on the short track side and on the, on the road course engines. And they've, uh, they've picked it up some. And I think that that showed some at Daytona. So we are really looking forward to getting to these other road course tracks and, uh, and being able to really show, what Jeremy's capable of, and you know, Lord willing, maybe we can pick up another uh, victory there for Jeremy Clements Racing because he, I know he can do it. So we just need the, the circumstances to fall in place for us. Yeah, speaking of circumstances and and putting Jeremy in a place to win, what can you do? Uh, what kind of calls can you make? In in regards to pit pitting, are you able to short pit with these stages? Are you chasing stage points at the road course or a short track compared to running the the one and a half milers? Um, what are you able to do, or how are you kind of angling your calls and what you decide to do race to race, depending on racetracks like the road courses or short tracks? Um, to get more track position, possibly put yourself in a position to win. That's a, that's a really good question, guys. Um, and and we, like every team, and we are going to chase those stage points every chance we get. Me and Jeremy's talked about it, and we've been one of the one of the few teams that's that's scored stage points in every race so far this year. And and that's not by accident. We we played that strategy like you were talking. At Homestead, we didn't take tires during the first stage um, when a lot of guys did, and I don't think there was but one car, and I think that was Noah Gregson, that didn't take tires that was able to hold on and get a 10th place finish in the first stage by not stopping early and taking tires. We took our tires in the second stage, and Jeremy drove from 22nd or so up to a 6th place finish for stage points in the second stage. Um, we played some strategy at Daytona with uh, track position. Uh, the road course, Jeremy, was just so good. <laughs> we didn't have to uh, rely on as much strategy 
as he was just really fast there at the road course. So he kind of took care of that on the, on himself. So we will be chasing stage points this year, whether it's a short track, a road course, even the mile and a half tracks, if uh, if the opportunity presents itself. But not every track is like Homestead. You know, we Homestead with the tire fall off, a guy comes and takes tires, you're going to be Superman for a few laps. So unfortunately, not every track is like that. So we can't take that same advantage of tires. So it's going to be a track to track deal, but we're definitely uh, chasing every point we can get to try to stay as close to that top 12 in uh, owner's points um, as we can towards the end of the year. And Mark, I know you're really busy, so I appreciate you coming on. Just one more from us. Uh, you mentioned the difference between Homestead and the other mile and a half tracks, the tire fall off. Uh, this weekend for Vegas, how is it different from Homestead? And are you guys bringing the same car there that you ran last week? The uh, the tire the the tire fall off isn't as bad at at Vegas as what it is at Homestead. As far as the car, we are sick, we are taking the same chassis that we raced at uh, at Homestead. We took it back to the shop. Uh, all the Clements guys they jumped in. We have a a new fresh engine going in the car. Uh, new transmission, everything's been changed, went back on the pull-down, uh, changed a little bit on the setup for the different track, and really, uh, really looking forward to, to getting another mile-and-a-half uh, track under our belt to, to keep building that um, notebook for me and Jeremy. But it's uh, it was a lot of work there um, Monday, a uh, really long day for everyone there at Jeremy Clements Racing, about 23 hours. But... Uh, we're looking forward to it and uh, really excited for the for the season and everything that uh, this small family-owned team can uh, can show everyone as we move forward. Well, Mark, we appreciate it so much, and we're really going to pull for you guys. We always do. It's a, sort of a throwback team with the family-ran organization making their engines. It's awesome to see the team compete so well so far here in 2021, and good luck on Saturday. Well, I really appreciate it, and hope all the listeners were uh, – We'll follow the race and be pulling for that uh, Jeremy Clements first Pacific funding Chevrolet. And, you know, we, uh, we really appreciate you guys having us on and, and, uh, and all your support. We appreciate you. Thank you so much, Mark. Good luck. That's Mark uh, Setzer for Jeremy Clements racing number 51 in the NASCAR Xfinity series. They're going to be racing this weekend at Las Vegas motor speedway, but let's take a look back guys on the Homestead race uh, from the NASCAR Xfinity series really quick. Before we get ahead to Las Vegas, uh, first win for Myatt Snyder. Uh, a, definitely a, uh, a race that had a lot of controversy. Myatt Snyder goes to victory lane, but the, the driver of the race really for the third straight time at Homestead Miami Speedway, the, t- the, the driver that had the fastest race car, Noah Gregson. And that's where the controversy comes in, where Gregson was running down there, uh, three to go, running on the high lane, and a lap car of David Starr, who was running about 13th. He wasn't a lap car at the time, I should say. He was at the tail end of the lead lap, having a, having a very good day for that team uh, in 13th. Blue right front tire, hit the outside wall. Nowhere to go for Noah Gregson. He ran right into him. Ended Gregson's day, uh, which unfortunately for him, he ended in the DNF, and it pretty much was um, a end of his day for for everything there. And it was a, a bad, bad weekend, and, and Gregson came out and made some comments about uh, lap cars getting in the way. And um, uh, Philip, let me start with – I'm sorry. Spencer, let me start with you. 
with with this, and we'll go to Philip. I definitely want to get his take on this as well. But what were your thoughts on Noah Gregson? Since you're, you know, close, you like Jimmy Motorsports, you watch Gregson closely, I'm sure. What were your thoughts on on the incident between him and Star, and uh, and the controversy surrounding that? Oh boy, I'm glad we're talking about this. But um, listen, this—if you're a Noah Gregson fan, you're going to say Noah Gregson. Um, if you're a David Starr fan, you're going to go David Starr. Let me tell you something. Noah Gregson, you can look at it both ways, and we might as well talk about it while we're on the show. Noah Gregson has a nine-second lead. It could have been a little bit more, but it was a lot. He's coming to the white flag, I believe. There was only two laps to go, maybe three. Um, with a nine-second lead, I feel like he could have laid back a little bit, don't you think? It's not like a car right there on his ass. So, you can look at it that way and say, well, let's just back off this 13, take our time to get around. But instead, he's pedaled to the floor an inch off the wall like he's got a car right on his butt. I understand it's racing, but, I mean, you have to be reasonable here. You have a nine-second lead, you know you can back off a little bit. You can look at it as David Starr was on the lead lap in 12th, okay? If he – is taking his line, which he was going to move down a little bit. He was not right on the wall. Um, and he had a tire go down. I mean, I was arguing with a guy. He tried telling me when a tire goes down on a race car, it don't shoot you to the outside wall. No, it shoots you to the outside wall when you have a right side tire go down because of the way physics works. It shoots you to the wall. So, naturally, David Starr is going to go up to the racetrack, and Noah Gregson is flying on the top line, so obviously he's not going to have time to dive to the bottom. So, I mean, it's it's a freak accident. I don't think you can really blame anybody here. Um, David Starr is not the kind of guy that is just going to take out a leader because David Starr wasn't going to win the race. So, I mean, all these Noah Gregson fans that are bashing David Starr is ridiculous. I don't think the guy did anything wrong. He can't help that his tire went out. You know, I mean, he was trying to go. You could see in the video he was trying to go down low. He was not directly in Gregson's line. But, I mean, it, what happened happened. It sucks for Noah Gregson. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, you can look at it both ways, but I don't think there's anybody to blame in this situation. Yeah, listen, Oh, Gregson's gotten a lot of flack today on on Twitter and, and social media uh, because he didn't back down from his comments. You know, you can certainly understand when after Saturday and how frustrated he has been because he's had such good fast race cars at Homestead. You can certainly understand that directly after the race that his comments might you know might have been a little bit out of line. We've seen that before, but for him to come up on SiriusXM Radio, I think it was yesterday or today, and really double down on David Starr and say, no, no, I, I. Um, you know, I still think you know they're they're in our way, kind of thing. Makes you, uh, you know, lose a little bit more sympathy for him. Uh, Mike Joy came out and made a great tweet today about how some of these kids and some of these drivers aren't in bad equipment. You know, you have to work your way up through equipment, uh, through you know, starting out in not so good stuff and you know, failing and and you know, running laps down and and earning your keep per se. And now these kids get into fast rides right away, and he thinks that's hurting the sport a little bit. I agree with him to an extent, uh, for cert- for certainly there. Uh, Philip, what was your take on on the Noah Gregson situation? Obviously, Gregson's a polarizing figure. He, this isn't the first time he's going to have controversy. It's not the last time he's going to have controversy. I almost think he likes it because it gets him some, uh, you know, 
that old line, no publicity, uh, any publicity is good publicity, uh, or no publicity is bad publicity. So he, he really likes to be in the limelight, I think, and have people t- having conversations about him. But what was your take on that situation with uh, Gregson? I'll give my take on it because it's a little bit more unique compared to everybody else. But what was your take, Philip? Well, I mean, these these figure out a way to gag um, three straight races at Homestead. Um, last year, you could go and make the argument it was restarts that cost him. Uh, in this case, he gagged it on his own uh, because he was insistent on running the high line. And, um, you know, in the end, David Starr has been at this sport longer than I think, or, or as long as freaking Gregson's been around or alive or, I mean, David Starr in his day was actually a pretty darn good driver. Uh, the Carl Long team for what they are, they have to, they have and what they've gone, what they go through on a week to week basis, the people they have in that organization running 12th with David Starr. I swear that's probably the best car drive that he's had in about a decade. He was running 12th on merit and he's not going to get in anybody's way. He's not going to go and do anything to sabotage somebody's race. There are guys out there that probably would do that sort of thing. And there's guys out there that have no business being out there. Um, Nor Gregson, um, you could deep dive into him. People want to go and get mad about certain comments about him and his family. And we could get really far, but his behavior and his attitude uh, are not great uh, for this sport. Um, I think fundamentally we already have Kyle Busch. Um, we don't need a Kyle Busch with less talent and just as daddy's money um, and with other questionable characteristics. Um, he's a combination of both Kyle and Kurt, and, fundam- and both of them had more talent than he does. And I, I think there, there's... Something to be said about saying, you know what, yeah, I could have went low or I could have gotten off. Like, he was getting butthurt about, I mean, Jay Buford was in the way. Granted, there was some other car. I think the the Tommy Joe Martins is in the way. So, both of them are in the way. Okay, fine. The The 13 car was not in the way. That was just a freak deal. That's just racing. If you want to be mad about something, be mad about them for their driving standard. But in his case, his driving standards and his behavior combined, there's a reason why most of the people in that garage probably would want, if somebody gave them, didn't, they wouldn't have to give them money. They'd probably want to go and nail him in his freaking face. Um, and there are people that would Michael McDowell him into the wall um, in the right rear too. Um, it's like, shut up. And, and actually close. He's the first guy in that nine car in I don't know how many years that hasn't been able to win a championship. William Byron won a championship. Tyler Reddick won a championship. Chase Elliott won a championship. What the heck Agreed. is Noah Gregson doing bringing ex- other than bringing money and being a douche? Like, what, what is he bringing to this deal? It's like, it's like shut up and drive. It's, it's, right. it's old. And his his fan base is competing with with Kyle Bush's and like 
Clyde's for like the worst fan base. And it's part of the reason why the sports going down to like the lowest common denominator along other segments or whatever. He just, he's just obnoxious and, and he's an entitled brat and he needs to be humbled old country way. Like the iron Sheik said in one of his rant clips, that's what has to happen to him really. And and then maybe, maybe he probably needs to get hooked in the wall a couple of times and then maybe, uh, and maybe, or get, power bomb through some tables maybe then he'll he'll finally figure it out well and that's the thing you know uh, i think when that's where people get annoyed is is again i think we could all sit there and say on saturday when he came out and made those comments initially you can understand the frustration because you know you're you're a competitor you're in a, in a in a competitive environment and you had to race one and you get taken out and you can certainly understand being frustrated and i'm glad you brought up uh, Jade Buford and Tommy Joe Martins because, you know, I did think that they could have given him a little bit more room running for the for the win at the end of that race and and I know they were trying to stay in the lead lap uh, at that time but to me when you know it's under 20 to go or close to 20 to go and the, the leaders coming you know you could give them a little bit more room so I could certainly understand his frustration with lap cars in general on Saturday but for him to come back and double down on Wednesday or yesterday or today on SiriusXM I mean. I'm laughing about it, but just, it's just almost unbelievable to to believe, to believe he did that. And Star's gotten a lot of black, bad publicity, and um, I thought he was he was having a tremendous run on Saturday. So that's what was unfortunate about it. And you know he didn't want to blow a tire. Uh, I thought a part broke initially on that 13 car, but it ended up obviously with the with the picture we saw and everything. Uh, it certainly looked like a blown uh, you know the tire blew. So um, you know hey. It is what it is, and unfortunately, you know, these kids, a lot of these kids who who are in the Cup Series now don't get the opportunity to run in equipment that is like what David Starr is running in. They don't really experience that, and, um, you know, they got a race to run too. Those guys are what this sport's built off of. So uh, if you have a problem with that, you know, to me that's ridiculous. But um, Gregson you have to earn respect to your competitors out there. And I'm not sure he quite gets that yet. Uh, there's certainly a fine line you could have to where you can be the bad guy. If you want to be the bad guy, uh, if you want to take that role, certainly I think a lot of people would, you know, even like the bad guy, but you, it, there's a fine line between being a bad guy and having a respect to your competitors. Um, and, you know, a lot of people have been bad guys in this sport. Dale Earnhardt could be, could be labeled as a villain in this sport. Kyle Busch could be labeled as a villain in this sport. But I think both of those guys have the respect of their competitors. Uh, definitely Dylan Hart. I know Kyle Busch does too. As far as well, they don't really race all that you know dirty unless you unless you do them wrong. Earnhardt a little bit more than, than Kyle Busch, but some of their antics are, are definitely off-putting. Um, but Gregson, I'm not sure has that respect yet, and I think that is a key to him. Uh, you know, even a year ago, he took out Myatt Snyder. If you remember, a couple uh, early in the year last year. And Myatt Snyder said, I'll pay him back, and he hasn't paid him back yet. So uh, and that's the unfortunate thing. You know, Myatt Snyder's win, and, and really a great run at the end there, is, is overshadowed by a uh, the wreck from Gregson and, and his comments. Uh, but he did a great job, too, so congratulations to him. You know, the second-place runner, if you're not – if you built under a rock there, uh, the second-place runner was Tyler Reddick, but that team in the 23 car was disqualified. Uh, they had a – they failed post-race inspection, so they went from second – to 40th 
at the end of that race. So uh, Reddick now finishes 40th. So that puts the second place position up to Brandon Jones, Daniel Hemrick third, Jeb Burton fourth, and Austin Sindrick fifth. Then it was Justin Haley, Brett Moffitt, Ryan Sieg, we, Jeremy Clements, who we mentioned earlier, and then Josh Berry, who had a really good run for Dale Jr. He had to pit for tires. Uh, they got a little bit off. Um, you know, the other thing about Gregson, before we move on here, guys, to our fantasy picks, um, is, and him and Allgaier, too, they're sort of getting to the situation what we talked about with Deep Benedetto before. They're 26th and 27th in points, Allgaier and Gregson. They're going to have to rattle off some, some solid runs here uh, to, to get themselves up there in the points and have a chance at this championship. They don't want to be in the win-or-go-home situation. It's a little bit different in Xfinity because the field's not as deep, but still, you know, you got a couple of guys who, you know, Sieg's not in the top 12 yet. Uh, Nets not in the top 12 yet, so um, they're going to have to really compete and start rattling off some good some good finishes and uh, get some stage points if they want to, um, you know, be a serious threat for that championship before we move forward. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. That's the number to call here tonight at Talking Circles. Okay, guys, um, fantasy picks. Want to get to those here? Going into Homestead, just so we know where everybody stood going into Homestead. Uh, Spencer led the points. He had eight points. I was second. I had eight points. And Philip was third. He had four points. Um, Philip goes first this week for Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh, but the picks from last week were Kyle Larson for Spencer. Uh, the dark horse pick was Tyler Reddick. Uh, Kevin Harvick was my pick. And my dark horse is Ryan Priest, who didn't run good at all. And then Denny Hamlin was um, Philip's pick. And Chase Briscoe uh, was the dark horse for him as well. We're going to let Philip start this week and make his picks um, for uh, Las Vegas since he is the on the bottom of the totem pole. Uh, I'll get you the, the actual standings after we get our picks in here. But what are uh, what are your picks this weekend, Philip? Give me your winner and your dark horse. Uh, winner, I'm going to go with uh, the pole sitter. I'm going to go with Kevin Harvick. Uh, he goes, he has to go and catch up to his son, Keelan, since he's doing a lot of winning in go-karts. Uh, so um, Harvick, after uh, celebrating his 20-year anniversary, wedding anniversary with Delana, uh, gets his first win of 2021. And uh, in terms of a dark horse pick, I'm not. I, I forget how we determined what constitutes a dark horse, but um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go pretty extreme here. I'm going to go DiBurrito, and because he has run well at Vegas, uh, he ran well at Vegas last year. Um, he has a habit of running well. That there's certain tracks he's really good at. Uh, I think Vegas is a track that fits him and suits the uh, Wood Brothers team. At some point, this bad luck spell is going to have to break, um, and it would fit. It would be a good spot for him. So I'm going to go forward uh, heavy here. I'll go Kevin Harvick for the win and uh, D. Benedetto as uh, the wild card. Okay, so Matty B is the, as the dark horse and uh, Kevin Harvick as your pick. Uh, for the record, going into this weekend at Vegas, Spencer's got 27 points. I've got 13, Philip with six. So uh, we let him start that. I'm going to go second here, guys. Because I, you know, I'm second, and then we'll let Spencer, who's got the lead, pick last here. Uh, a big lead for Spencer, by the way. So um, I'm going to go with my pick to win to run really well this weekend. 
uh, at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Martin Trex Jr. And I think that team really showed a lot um, as far as they are still very good on those mile and a half. We, when we think about the 78 team and Martin Trex Jr., obviously it's a little bit different of a team with Joe Gibbs, and it's no longer Furniture Row, and, and Cole Pern is gone. But Jimmy Small was the engineer of that team when they were really good on their mile and a half. So I think they're still very very good on, the, on a mile and a half prowess. So I'm going to go Martin Trex Jr. And my dark horse is going to be another junior. And this is going to be really impressive with what he did at Homestead. And, um, you know, that team has shown some pretty good signs. I'm going to go Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Um, he finished in the top 15 on Homestead, had a couple of, of playoff points as well. So that's my dark horse there. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., my picks. Martin Trex Jr., my dark horse is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Spencer, give me your pick and dark horse for this weekend at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh, my pick will be – dang, I hate the guy. But uh, Denny Hamlin will be the winner. And my dark horse, I will take um, uh, Tyler Reddick. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm not sure Reddick at this point is a dark horse anymore. Um, but let me see. Here, I'll let me see actually where I'll he is. I'll yeah, let me see where he is in points. Uh, just because his second place run was such was so impressive, you know, and, and it got him a lot of points. So I, I think Reddick is. Yeah, he's out. Uh, so is there anybody else you look at and, and might want to make a uh, dark horse? Chastain. Chastain will work. He's um, right now 21st in points. Okay. So we'll take that. Reddick's 23rd. I know that, but, you know, that second-place finish to me is not really dark horse. But Ross in his first year in that car, we'll, we'll, we'll make that call for sure. So Ross Chastain right. do, uh, in that in that dark horse for you. So let me review the picks here. Uh, Philip Matthews got Kevin Harvick. His dark horse is Matthew Benedetto. Uh, my pick is Martin Shrix, Jr. My dark horse is Ricky Stenhouse, Jr. And Spencer's pick is Benny Hamlin, and his dark horse is Ross Chastain, who uh, has an interesting – Start to the year, not great, not bad, uh, but an interesting start to his year as well. Um, guys, what do you think we're going to see before we wrap up? Uh, a little bit of an interesting news, and I want to get your take on it. Um, as far as truck series are concerned, we haven't really previewed that race or Xfinity or um, you know Cup, obviously, this weekend at Las Vegas, other than the picks. But trucks, a cool side note, Marco Simone has put out $15,000 for anybody who's going to run the Camping World livery this week, uh, and it's about seven drivers took up on them. There's also some uh, higher echelon uh, money you can get. You finish in the top 10 or top 15, and if you win, you get even more money. About eight or nine drivers took took them up on that. So there's going to be a lot of Camping World trucks out there on Friday night at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. It's going to be a lot of fun to see and and, and an awesome, awesome deal by Marcus Simonis there. Uh, But what do you guys think we're going to see? Obviously, I'll start with Philip, and then I'll go to Spencer get, get his take on the overall weekend. But it's it's a lot different racetrack, Philip, than Homestead. Mark Setzer touched on a little bit where the tire doesn't nearly wear as as much as uh, here at Vegas as much as, as it does at Homestead. That changes things a lot. Uh, but what do you think we're going to see as far as all, the whole weekend is concerned and the kind of racing we're going to see? I think the Xfinity race will probably be the – best race which has kind of been the 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 way of nascar in recent years i think uh it'll be because 
the cars have the least amount of downforce, most horsepower. They'll be able to kind of they'll be it'll be slick. It'll be hard for them to to bite. They're gonna tires are gonna play a role. There's also gonna be um, everybody going across the because it is a, a, a what do you call progressive bank track. Uh, the Cup Series race, I'm I'm hopeful, uh, based on what happened at Homestead, that we will have an all right show uh, on Sunday, because uh, I think they're trying to fix this so that once the Gen Seven car comes along with the 550 package, that they'll be able to actually um, have a good racing package without it seeing not see, feeling like WWE. Uh, the truck series race is going to look like an old school J.D. Stacy special, but Marcus, unlike unlike J.D. Stacy, uh, Marcus Amonis actually will pay. Um, he is probably one of the only reasons why NASCAR and the NHRA are able to function uh, because he's dumping millions of dollars in there, and. Uh, it tells you what it is. It speaks a lot to what Marcus Lemonis is as a person and what he's about, uh, that he's supporting a lot of these small teams. He's supporting a uh, former guest on the show, Dawson Cram. He's supporting uh grand end finger. You know, there's all kinds of people there support nine trucks, uh, in the 30 plus truck starting field, uh, to to have Camping World on there, uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see, and I'm sure the geniuses in the booth and some of the spotters are gonna have some problems with it uh, on Friday night. But um, look for Connor Daly. Um, he has no neck like Ryan Newman, but um, he's a great guy. Um, coming from tailback, as Rusty would like to say, it'll be an interesting. Uh, thing to see with an East Motorsports uh, truck. Yeah, listen, uh, this this is going to be a fun weekend at Vegas with the trucks, with with so many Camping World trucks. Uh, it is an awesome thing, though. I mean, you know, even Norm Benning, who, uh, let's be honest, is is probably not going to go out and and uh, turn many heads as far as speed is concerned. But you know, he's got a, he's got Camping World on his truck. A couple even the GMS trucks, which is shocking that they don't have the fun. The, not that they don't have the funding. But they couldn't find the extra fifteen thousand um, dollars, and it's probably going to turn into more than that. They, they're they're going for a shot at fifty thousand dollars. So they looked at that and said, "Let's go with let's go for it," and they they did it. But uh, yeah, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun to see. Um, Spencer, who are you looking at in the Xfinity Series? Who are you really looking at having a solid weekend? And um, uh, what do you think we're going to see? Spent uh, Philip talked about it. I totally agree with him that I think the Xfinity race is going to be the best race of the weekend. But who are you really looking at as far as uh, running for the win there? Well, for the Xfinity Series, I don't really have a driver in it anymore now that he's in the Cup Series. But I really like Brett Moffitt. I think, um, you know, he's he's kind of quiet. He doesn't really have that open personality. But um, I think he's uh, – I think he's just one of them guys that has great talent. Um you know, I I'm, I think it's pretty cool. He's also uh, in the Camping World deal, um, which I tweeted his name to Limonis, and then Brett Moffitt liked it, and then Hour Motorsports retweeted it. So hopefully that got him uh, into the conversation. But 
Um, that's ridiculous that his cars and trucks are plain white sometimes. Um, it's Or, you know, with the race team's name on it, which is pretty much you might as well just go with a plain white race car. So um, uh, I'd really like to see him do something in the Allen Motorsports 02 Chevrolet. Um, you know, I mean, dang, he had a good run at Miami and unfortunately um, had his deal with his tires. So, And then uh, Reddick, he was fast in that car too. So I think that team's pretty solid, and I think they can go out and really compete if um, they do good calls on top of the pit box. And um, I'd like to see him, um, you know, uh, go out and really compete and maybe put that car in victory lane. And I think the guy, he really deserves a cup ride. He deserves sponsorship on his race cars every week. And um, if I owned a big business and could afford it, I can tell you my sponsor would be on one of his race cars because it's a good chance he's going to be put in victory lane. Um, I mean, he's a champion. I mean, for crying out loud, sponsor the guy. So, um, yeah, Brett Moffat, I'll keep an eye out on him. An interesting name to keep an eye on um, for the Xfinity race starting dead last again is Tyler Reddick. You know, he, he finished second last week, and that's a now motorsports car. Um, a teammate to Brett Moffat, as you mentioned, Brett Moffat's a tremendous race car driver, there's no question. Uh, and he's a teammate to him, so certainly somebody to keep an eye on there. Also, you got the Gibbs cars. Um, so it's going to be wild. It's going to be a fun race to see. Xfinity is a lot more competitive. Uh, a little bit deeper field than we've had in the past. You got the Collig, three Collig cars. All of them can can win given the right circumstance. I'm really dying to see if Daniel Hemmer could pull off a win here uh, in the next couple of races for Joe Gibbs Racing because he's a guy who's just been so close so many times. Really good kid, and I just hope he can get the victory lane. So that's something I keep an eye on there as well. Um, great jam as always again tonight, guys. We'll see you guys Sunday here on Talking in Circles after the. NASCAR Cup Series race. We're going to break that all down. We'll break down a whole weekend from Las Vegas Motor Speedway. We'll be back here next week breaking it all down from Las Vegas. Good night, everybody.